0: back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, big game on tap. First off, um, some news that we didn't get to on Tuesday. We weren't quite sure what the extent of his injury was. but Florida starting linebacker, Ventrell Miller, will be out for the season with a torn biceps. Obviously, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're going to talk a lot about the matchup between Alabama and Florida in the second half of the show. But Blake, this is a significant loss for Florida.
1: Definitely. When you lose your leading tackler for the team, someone that you've consistently put as a leader as a captain you know as kind of the you know the general of your defense you know that's definitely a big blow um especially considering that Florida you know Amari Amari Bernie has had a lot of snaps but past that you're looking at a guy like Tyron Hopper who hasn't really played a lot he's played some you think a lot of him as far as you know athleticism you know even Derek Wingo another highly regarded uh, recruit coming out you can shift Jeremiah Moon around So there are some ways to shuffle things around, but when you're losing a guy that is, you know, a hard-nosed tackler, really that brings the tone and sets the tone for that defense, it's a big loss for sure. But, you know, we'll see how these other guys – kind of pan out some of the guys that are more athletic that Florida recruited and, and think the world of. So we'll, it's yeah. a fast track for those guys. You're going to throw them in the mix for sure. But no doubt big loss.
0: No doubt. And I think Ty- Tyron Hopper has been a guy that's jumped in there in the last two weeks and done a pretty good job. I think the other thing, Blake, that's going to help is, you know, Jeremiah Moon's a guy that has moved a little bit more from that edge rusher position into kind of a stack backer look. And so he'll be able to give you some snaps there as well. But Blake, let's talk about recruiting. This is a huge weekend for Florida And really the way that the Gators have kind of structured their recruiting, I think this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is going to be the major visit weekend. Obviously the Tennessee week, the Florida state week, they'll have guys in, but this is a chance for Florida to really showcase what the swamp can be when it's at its best. And I think a lot of people have pointed back to that 2019 Auburn game as kind of the last time the swamp was the swamp. And Blake, this is going to be one of the biggest games in the swamp in a long time. What kind of impact can these big games, especially if you're competitive, especially if you keep the crowd into it, can it have on some of these recruits that are coming to the game?
1: You know, I I think for me, a lot of these kids just want to see a really rocking atmosphere. And that's I was going to even mention that 2019 Auburn game to where it was just loud. You know, you had some of the quotes. This is definitely the, the most stacked visitor list that I've ever seen since I've covered Florida recruiting. So getting that out of the way. I had thought previously before that that the 2019 Auburn visitor list was probably the best one I had seen. And that's one where you had guys afterwards that said, you know, I couldn't hear myself think, you know, it was the loudest game I've ever been to those types of things set impressions on guys, you know, sure. A win would, you know, definitely be a big impression on a lot of these kids, but I think just the atmosphere seeing where the team's competitive at, you know, I think a lot of these kids are really excited to come in there and see it, especially considering that, you know, recruiting visits were the thing last year, unless you purchased your own ticket and right. your own way there on a self guided visit. Um, but you know, I think it's going to be a big impression a lot of these guys because the atmosphere is going to be great. They're going to get a chance to spend time around coaches. You know, a lot of the other visitors are going to be there as well. So, you know, they, they all get a chance to hang out together. So I expect it to be a, a good showing for Florida to get some of these recruits in there. Certainly their biggest visitor weekend, at least that I expect this season. Um, no official visitors in this weekend. Florida planned that out specifically to not have any uh, official visitors. I think that's more of the staff trying to kind of trickle some of those guys out for some other games, you know, ideally after the season around December, I think is when they would really want to get a lot of the the bulk of these official visitors on campus, but they have a stacked unofficial visitor list. I mean, there's more kids on this visitor list than I've ever seen since I've covered Florida recruiting so it's going to be a big weekend on the recruiting trail as far as these guys getting into campus.
0: Can I can I put you on the spot for a minute. Sure. Do you remember offhand any recruits that that Auburn game made a big difference with? Because I remember, I mean, I know specifically the, you know, the Le Michael P. Ryan run was like, that was something everybody was talking about after the game. I, and again, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but uh, is there an example from that class, maybe? I, I'm looking at the list now. Uh, I, th- I want to say the heads, Ikevious Walker, Darnell Washington. E.J. Smith and Marcus Doomerville were the four official visitors. Those were the four official
1: visitors. And it definitely didn't make a big impression on them, um, you know, because they obviously ended up at other schools. I'm pulling it up now as well some of the other guys. Um, You know, I I don't – scanning through it, you know, there's not a lot of guys that, you know, committed to Florida looking through here. Um, you know, definitely Isaiah Walker was one of those guys that showed up for that game, eventually committed to Florida, but, you know, left to go to, to, to Miami. Um, but looking through the list, you know, there weren't a lot of guys that looks like that. you know, that Florida made a big move with as far as landing them. But so
0: this um, is maybe more of a starting point.
1: Yeah, I, I for mean, some of these guys. Sure. You know, especially considering you're getting a lot of the 2023 guys in there. That's a definitely a big bulk of those guys getting the underclassmen ones in there. That's how you start the foundation for some of these guys. Um, you know, you have the cluster of guys that committed in the summer. Florida's got some guys that are committed to other schools getting in there. So that's a chance to kind of continue to chip away at those guys. Um, a lot of these five star guys, you know, like, you know, Evan Stewart is one of the big time visitors, the five star wide receiver from Texas. Florida will get on campus this weekend this will be his third visit to Florida took the official visit back in June. So it's more of just a chance to continue to get these guys. Some of these guys, it's their first game visit. You know, they haven't been able to see the swamp, you know, in capacity or, you know, rocking like it's going to be. So uh, it's a chance to show what your game day atmosphere is like, not having to watch it over a zoom video or looking at over YouTube. So I think that's how you lay a lot of the foundation for some of these guys for sure. Uh,
0: So I guess uh, along that point, are there any guys that you're – this is a, kind of a, the question we always ask, especially when we're on the podcast talking to more maybe casual viewers than the subscribers on Swamp 24-7. Are there any guys immediately off the bat that you would put on commitment watch as guys that could pull the trigger for Florida this weekend?
1: Uh, on Nonar. Um, he's a three-star offensive tackle from down in the, the Belglade area. I think he's one guy that I would keep an eye on. I think Florida's a team to beat there. Previously, it's been mentioned maybe in October, November type of commitment timeline. We'll see if he sticks to that. I think Florida's a team to beat. I think, a, a, a you know, an in-depth visit. He visited back in July at the end. He camped for Florida, you know, got the offer in early August. So, I don't know that he really got an in-depth visit. So, I think getting a chance to look more in-depth there. He's a former Pittsburgh commitment, backed off that early verbal pledge. I think getting a little bit more of a, you know, in-depth visit for him, spending more time around the coaches if he's able to do that. I think that that's one guy for sure that sticks off, the uh, uh, at least off the cuff, that, you know, is one guy that I would keep an eye on.
0: All right. Well, you're the recruiting guru. So who are the big name guys, guys that even if you're not a hardcore recruiting guy, these are the guys that you need to know that are coming into Florida this weekend.
1: Like I mentioned, five-star wide receiver Evan Stewart is definitely a big visitor for Florida. You know, I think they are in a really good spot for him. I think Texas and Alabama, along with Florida, are probably the three teams in the best position for him. LSU's involved, but I think that those, you know, threes of Texas, Alabama, and Florida are probably the main players there. Um, He's really good uh, friends with Florida's quarterback, commit Nick Evers. He's coming with him on this visit. This is the second visit they've taken together. Uh, Well, I guess he was there on the official visit. So they've taken all three visits together. So this is a chance for, right. And they, you know, Evan had mentioned after his late July visit to Florida that he had likes the connection he's built. They're seven on seven teammates, they're friends, you know, they camp together in the swamp, every throw that Evan Stewart, or excuse me, every pass that Evan Stewart caught at Friday night lights was from Nick Evers. So they have that connection. Evan Stewart put on a show at Friday night lights and they were great throws from Nick Evers as well. So that's definitely one guy to follow. Um, a possible visitor is five-star defensive lineman, Michael Williams. He's currently committed to USC. He's from Georgia, the five-star defensive end defensive lineman type of guy. Um, possible visitor.
0: play Hilton fired.
1: It's more of a well, sure. It's but it's more of a weather permitting type of thing. I okay. spoke with his dad yesterday, and they said that you know they really don't want to drive down there if the weather was bad because that's pretty far drive for them. And so it's a possible visit. You know, Michael told Steve Wolfong, twenty uh, four seven sports recruiting director, that it's a possible visit. Dad kind of backed that up, but they're definitely keeping an eye on the weather. But that would be a big visitor, like you said, because you know USC's fired their coach. You know, they're looking for another guy already. So. Florida is going to continue to keep chipping away Ohio state, Alabama, you know, those kind of schools, Georgia or other schools that are, you know, still kind of keeping in contact with him. Um, Five-star defensive lineman, Walter Nolan will be in attendance with his father and his younger brother who has a Florida offer and is a 2025 recruit Um, notable because Walter Nolan recently, I guess in the last couple of weeks, it was actually uh, named a top three of Alabama or excuse me, Texas A&M, Tennessee, and Georgia, which Not was notable people. that Florida, it did. It was more of a and a surprise a lot of people in, in Gainesville as well, because Florida seemed like really great shape in the early part of June coming out of the official visit. Uh he turned around and took an unofficial visit with family when he was down here in the Sunshine State for uh for the future 50 Under Armour camp that they do down there at IMG Academy. So it was a surprise, you know. I think that. The top three is definitely – it seems like those three teams are in the best spot for him. But he hasn't closed the door in a lot of these schools. He's still going to take an official visit to Alabama. He was just at Michigan for their game against Washington last weekend. You know, he's still visiting Florida this weekend – Still going to take an official visit to Alabama, like I said. So I don't know that the door is absolutely closed on a lot of these schools that didn't make the top three. But I definitely, it's it's interesting now because he's coming back to Florida. Florida seems to like they have an uphill climb here, just because obviously you know if, if you don't have him in the top three and you thought you were in such a great spot, you know I mean you know the writing's kind of on the wall there. Just get him back on campus, keep chipping away at him, show him a good showing. Florida's defensive line has played pretty good this season. They have a good connection with David Turner. So, you know we'll see where things go from there. Um, I think those are probably the three, you know, as far as five star type of visitors for the at least off the top of my head for the 2022 class that I've confirmed there, a lot of five star guys from the 2023 class will be in there a lot of top 100 guys, some other guys that are committed to other schools for the 2022 class. Uh, Interior offensive lineman who's more of an offensive guard. Kayshawn Sapp, who's committed uh, to FSU, um, took an official visit to Florida back in June. He'll be there this weekend for the game. Um, Defensive tackle Jordan Phillips, who's committed to Tennessee from the Ocoee area. Um, He'll be on campus. At least he's expected on campus again this weekend. This is his second visit to Florida. He was at the FAU game, possibly coming back to the Alabama game. Committed guy to Tennessee, taking two visits in a row to Florida. It's definitely got to keep an eye on. Um, Last weekend when Florida played, uh, USF. David Turner was actually on the sidelines of his game, so it certainly seems like Florida is turning up the heat on Jordan Phillips. I think he's a guy that you could keep an eye on for you know maybe not a flip watch this weekend, but it certainly seems like Florida's still on his mind. You know even though he's committed to Tennessee, taking those visits. Uh, four-star wide receiver J- uh, Jaden Gibson is also expected on campus this weekend. He set a commitment date for sometime in October. I believe it's the 13th of October. Um, I think Florida's in a good spot for him, and he should be back on campus again. So there's a lot of guys on the list. I literally could sit here this entire podcast and break down the visitor list because there's guys from the 2022 class to 23 24 25 there's even a 2026 guy who's an eighth grader that's visiting <laughs> florida this weekend who has an offer from florida by the way yeah. so it's going to be a big weekend i'll have a preview up on friday of all the guys that are going to be in there the list is currently that i keep adding me and cole fulton have been continuing to add guys on there so that's on the site now but i'll have a preview up friday morning
0: There you go, guys. Check it out. Swamp247.com if you're interested in all the guys that are coming. Blake has all that for VIP subscribers. He keeps you up to date. And then the day of the game, Blake will actually be in the Swamp uh, right outside Ben Hill Griffin Stadium before the game. Letting you know who showed up, who hasn't, that kind of thing. Blake, if you were Florida staff kind of crafting a message for this weekend, or I guess what you want recruits to take away from this game, win or lose, what's kind of your message to these recruits?
1: I think when, obviously, your pitch is, you know, that we're in the right direction, we're taking that next step. Look, we just took down the number one team in the country. Dan Mullen's a genius. Come play for him. You know, that's my pitch there. That's an easy one. If you lose, I think you start to get more into the, you know, and and this one could kind of go either way. Look at the atmosphere. Look what we're building here at Florida. But if you lose, if you have a certain position, like let's say the defensive line, Gets blown off the ball and and, you know they're they're not having a good showing. You could come in there and say because Florida's going to have a lot of defensive linemen on campus this weekend. You know, Mm -hmm. four four star defensive lineman Jamari Lyons, who I think Florida's in a good spot for. Three star off, uh, excuse me, defensive tackle Isaiah Hastings, who's another guy that Florida's in a good spot for. Four star uh, defensive lineman Chris McClellan, all the way from Oklahoma, is coming out there too. So Florida's going to have a lot of defensive linemen in there. So I'm using this just more as an example. Mm -hmm. If, If the defensive line doesn't have a good showing you're the missing piece. You're the guy that we need to come in there to shore up that defensive line. You know, look, we've had to take some transfer guys. We want to continue to build up the depth there. You know, we're playing younger guys. You know, uh, you can look back at the USF game and the FAU game. We played a lot of younger guys. Come be the missing piece. So I think that that's, And again, you could move that for anywhere. If you've got a wide receiver like Evan Stewart and the wide receivers aren't having good showing, look, you're the missing piece. So I think that that's more the pitch that I would go for, you know, selling these guys on, you know, look, we've got a lot of young pieces here. We have Anthony Richardson, the quarterback who's, you know, sure. You know, you'd expect he's going to play, you know, he's been, you know, in and out of games. He's got a, a, you know, had really good showing when he's been on the field, you know, the future is bright for us. So I think that those are the types of things that I would hit on if, if Florida doesn't win this game.
0: All right, Blake, anything else we need to cover with recruiting, from a general standpoint, before we move on to breaking down Alabama, Florida X's and O's.
1: Say a prayer for me because I'm going to be busy Saturday.
0: <laughs> I know Cole will be there with you to help you out. Again, guys, everything will be on Swamp247.com for our subscribers. Blake does an absolutely tremendous job keeping up with recruiting, letting you know who's there, letting you know how they're feeling about the visit. You can kind of tell sometimes the guys that are more amped up on the sideline versus the guys that are kind of off in their own little world. Blake gives you fantastic updates on all that, the day of the game, and then obviously – you know, after the game, depending on how the result goes, Blake's catching up with all those guys, letting you know where they, you know, where they stand, where Florida stands with them. Uh, so be sure to check it out on swamp247.com. For now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on the other side talking Florida-Alabama, talking key matchups, and what we expect to see on Saturday in the Swamp.
2: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love,
0: Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, let's get into talking about Florida and Alabama. Obviously, Alabama is a two-touchdown favorite, more or less, maybe a little bit more. That's a big spread when you're coming into the Swamp, talking about playing in front of what we would imagine will be one of the most hostile crowds you know, that Florida's had in a long time. I guess, first off, why is the spread so big? And then I think we had talked a little bit on, I think it was Tuesday, about, that actually seems kind of fair, kind of right. Um, What makes you think that that's an appropriate spread right now?
1: I think when you look up just the number of points, Alabama continues to put up against teams, you know, that's, you know, from the, you know, the Mercer types of teams to, you know, even Florida last year, you know, they've just continued to put a lot of points up and that really didn't skip a beat from, you know, dropping off from, you know, Mac Jones uh, to the, you know, the young guy they have now. So um, and Bryce Young, Um, so I, I think that it's, it's just because they're just a well-oiled machine. You know, you look at the depth from them, you know, your third string guys, you know, a top 100 guy or a five-star type of player, you know, even when they throw in some of those younger guys, like, you know, freshmen or redshirt freshmen, they don't really seem to skip a beat. So I think it's more just the juggernaut of Bama itself that, that really kind of has that, you know, has them humming, but they're also playing really well as well. You know, they're, they're blowing out teams, you know, Miami, I think they weren't, would and put them as like an elite upper echelon type of team, but they beat the crap for a out season of opener, you know. Whenever sure yeah for season opener, whenever you have a young quarterback like that and you're working on a lot of kinks, you would think at least to just beat somebody that badly. I think it's just the fact that they're just you know just a machine, they're a monster, and they just kind of run through whatever's in front of them.
0: Yeah, and that was kind of the thought that I had. You know, I. I try to watch as much of other teams as I can. But obviously, Blake, when we're, you know, on Saturdays, getting to and from the stadium, covering the team and stuff like that, it's sometimes hard. So you really have to make it a point to go back and watch. And I said late in that second half against USF on Twitter that, uh, you know, this was when Florida was giving up points to USF late in the game. Uh, Emery Jones had had a bit of a disaster of a second half. I said on Twitter, I thought things could get ugly against Alabama. And a couple of people reached out to me and said, hey, that's way dramatic. I'll be honest, after going back and watching a lot of Alabama over the last two days from their, their first two games, it was. I, I, I got more of the impression after watching Alabama that this is not necessarily your midseason Alabama juggernaut. I do think there's a couple weak spots that maybe I wouldn't have anticipated just thinking about that Alabama aura, so to speak. And Blake, uh, I think one of the things that stands out to me about Alabama's offense One, I thought Bryce Young was really, really good in that Miami game. I thought every time Miami started a flash pressure, he was very good in the pocket being able to escape from that pressure while also still looking to throw. And I thought he carved Miami up on kind of some of those plays where Miami pushed the pocket but couldn't necessarily keep him contained and then basically ended up leaving their secondary out to dry because they couldn't get to him. So that's an area that Florida's going to have to fix. But the other thing that stood out to me about Alabama – I'm not sure that their run game is quite as dominant as it has been in years past. And the reason I say that is I think the percentage of plays that you see Alabama hit in the run game in the first two weeks is much lower than you're used to seeing from the Crimson Tide. And I think that's partly having three new starters on the O-line. I I just don't see that unit executing quite as cleanly as we're used to seeing from Nick Saban, where typically you have guys on the O-line you know, comboing on their blocks and then getting to the second level. The one thing you always see about Alabama is it seems like they always have a hat on a hat in the front seven and they're getting to the linebacker level to spill runs into the secondary. I don't see that as routinely through Alabama's first two games as you might expect. And so I, I don't know, you know, if there's a way that Florida can take advantage of that and we'll get into talking about that some in the keys of the game. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think this Alabama team looks unbeatable from what I've seen. Now, you have to play clean football, Blake. I think that's the number one factor against Alabama. You cannot make key mistakes. And to be quite frank, I actually thought that Mercer game could have been a lot closer if not for some key mistakes that Mercer made early on. They get a punt blocked return for a touchdown. You know, Alabama pops a ball up in the air. They come away with an interception. All of a sudden, you're looking at a very different game at halftime. Those are the kind of things Florida cannot have happen if they hope to stay in this Alabama game. You can't turn the football
1: over. Absolutely. When you're playing the number one team, you need to play a perfect game, if not a near perfect game. You know, you need to have everything go your way and you need to capitalize if Alabama does make a mistake, have a turnover here or, you know, a miscue or something to that effect. You need to make you you need to capitalize on those types of plays and you need to make sure that you don't turn the ball over as well, because turnovers, I think, are going to be a big part of this game or could be at least.
0: I think they absolutely will be. Um, Alabama's defense, I think, has been very, very opportunistic. The one thing you see on tape in those first two games, their defensive linemen get their hands up really well and tend to bat a lot of passes into the air. You've seen a couple of interceptions early in the season for Alabama that have been the result of balls that have tipped up into the air. And their secondary is very active once that ball gets tipped up and locating the football and making the interception. So... That's where I, you know, get a little worried about Emory Jones. I think he's been late on things. If you're late on things against Alabama, man, it's going to go poorly. So first and foremost, Florida cannot turn the ball over like that. Blake, if there's a key to this game, if there's one key to this game for you, what would it be?
1: I think for Florida on their side, I think on the offensive side, I think it's, you know, having a clean game with the quarterbacks. Like you said, Emory Jones has been, he's been late on a lot of those throws. And I felt like when we watched the FAU game up in the press box, there were some throws where I was like, man, that ball was hanging up in the air way too long. Mm -hmm. Alabama would have capitalized on that. right? So I think keeping a cleaning up those things, being precise with the ball, I think is something not letting the ball hang up there because if you let those Alabama defenders, you know, defensive backs get the hand on the ball, it's going to get intercepted. And I think vice versa for Florida's defense. I think rattling Bryce Young is going to be a big part for them. A young quarterback in his first true road Test Like you mentioned, this is going to be a pretty – we would expect it to be a really packed crowd, hostile type of environment. If you can rattle him and make him play like a young guy who's still learning or maybe – you know, I mean, he's been great throughout the first part of this, you know, first couple games of the season. If you can rattle him and have him, you know, have some things go your way, I think that's the the key for Florida on defense.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, if you look at the first two games, I didn't think Bryce Young was as good in week two as he was in week one. Now, part of that, if you listen to Nick Saban at halftime coming off the field – He points out they had some drops down the field in that game in the first half against Mercer that could have made it look different. They had some poor execution on the O-line like we talked about. I really think the right side of Alabama's offensive line is something that Florida needs to exploit. You've got to be able to get edge rushers uh, against that right tackle and and kind of force the issue with Bryce Young. But you also have to keep him contained in the pocket, and that's one of the things I was pretty – Uh, positively surprised by with Florida last week, they really managed to collapse the pocket. Well, and that's going to have to be the case against Bryce young. Um, But if you can do that, I think you have the chance to make some plays. I mean, he hasn't been quite as accurate down the field. I don't think as, you know, I I know he's got a 71% completion percentage, but a lot of those are, are high percentage type throws underneath. They will take shots and Bama loves to take shots off the play action. Uh, But to your point, I think if you can get to him early, keep him off his spot, get the ball coming out quick, I think you have the chance to take advantage. Blake, one thing I see though, is I think you have to do that with just four down. I don't think you can afford, and I I guarantee you that Todd Grantham will mix it up and send five, send six, send seven even at sometimes. But I think by and large, Florida needs to, if it hopes to be able to slow Bama down enough to allow the offense to, you know, score points and stay in this game. I think you've got to be able to create pressure with four. You've got to be able to make a difference with four. You know, the left side of Alabama's O-line is really good. Man, 73 on tape. Evan Neal uh, is yeah, he's just pretty
1: good as a, he's
0: a monster. I mean, he, kind of he, he, he will blow people off the ball. So I think you're going to have a lot of really good one-on-one reps between him and Zach Carter. Um, Florida tends to put Carter more on that side. And depending on how those reps go, I think that's going to kind of set the tone. Now, there's other guys on the D-line, don't get me wrong, that gonna have to get involved. But if Zach Carter can can at least go 50-50 with Evan Neal, I'm not worried about the rest of Alabama's O-line. I'm really not. I think Florida has a chance to kind of set the tone there. On the flip side, Blake, I think for Florida, with this offensive identity, knowing the concerns we have about emory jones throwing the ball obviously dan mullen's gonna have some good wrinkles drawn up in his game plan i think can, you know from a concept standpoint he'll find something that he can attack and I, I tend to think it's alabama's linebackers they've had a couple injuries chris allen will be out we're expecting will anderson to be back and and you know Alabama's still got some real talent at linebacker but i think florida with the inside running game needs to try to pin those linebackers and get them focused in the box If you can do that, then I can see Florida's outside run game maybe establishing something. You get that option pitch going. I think you can have some success. Blake, the one guy I've got circled defensively for Alabama is number 47, Byron Young. He was an absolute monster against both Mercer and Miami. He's a guy that uh, Florida's guards, Ethan White, Stuart Reese, they're going to have to be really good because he can just run over you, ruin plays in the backfield. Florida's got to establish the run, Blake. I mean, it's it's that simple. They've got to establish the run so you're not solely relying on Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. Based on what we've seen from Florida on the O-line with the running backs in the first two weeks, do you think that's a possibility?
1: I think it's a possibility. I think it's definitely a tall task because, you know, Alabama's defensive front, you know, is not an FAU, and it's certainly not USF's. But I think it's possible. I think you've seen, you know, the guys getting around pulling, getting in space, You know, I think that the offensive line has played pretty well, you know, certainly in the passing block, pass blocking game. And I think they've been much improved in the run blocking game. So I think it's possible. I don't know that they're going to sit there and go, you know, you know, have have perfect plays all throughout. You know, there's definitely going to be some ups and downs because I think Alabama's front line is that good. But I think it's possible that they can do enough to, you know, get that running game going for Florida.
0: Yeah. You know, I thought Alabama's defense was really really good sideline to sideline in week 1. You didn't see Miami create a whole lot and I thought the the linebackers being healthy for Alabama was a big big part of that. You know, their sideline to sideline speed's really good. I thought you saw when Alabama had to rely a little bit on some younger guys and this is true not just at linebacker but at cornerback. Last week they played without both starting cornerbacks against Mercer. I thought Mercer had a little bit more success running on the edges. And I think part of that was Mercer has kind of this interesting offensive scheme where they're almost like wing T slash wishbone. They do a lot of motioning near the line of scrimmage. It's kind of one of those funky offenses, not like triple option, but in that kind of mold where it takes a lot of discipline based on everything they're doing up front. And I thought a couple times you saw Alabama, maybe the linebackers didn't quite get where they were supposed to be. If you're Florida, You're going to get, I think, a couple shots based on how the O-line is blocked so far, where you have a back that only needs to beat one linebacker or a safety. So Florida's running backs, to me, are going to be big in this game. They've done a really, really good job so far of when the O-line hasn't gotten everybody, you know, and they're just tasked with beating one guy, whether that's a linebacker, an edge defender, or a safety Florida's backs have done a really good job of making that first guy miss. That has to continue against Alabama. And if you can do that and stay ahead of the chains, I think you're going to have a good chance because I do think you can take deep shots against Alabama, but your best bet is doing that on play action after you can get Alabama to step up into the box a little bit. Again, both starting cornerbacks are expected back this week, Josh Job and and Jalen Armour Davis. So Bama's, you know, they're going to, they're going to be closer to full strength against Florida than maybe they were last week. But I do think, You get some quick tempo going, especially with those linebackers as they're rotating guys through. I do think Dan Mullen can maybe take advantage of some of these opportunities. But, Blake, to me, it boils down to being opportunistic. Again, I go back to the turnovers. If Florida's going to win this game, they've got to be on the positive side in the turnover margin. And really, I think you have to start fast. You have to keep this crowd in the game. If there's one thing I was disappointed in with Florida's opener when you were back in the swamp and everything – The game got off to kind of a disjointed start. And Blake, you were there. It never really felt like the crowd was full bore into it. It's Florida Atlantic, all right? So I get it to some degree. Florida's fans will do everything they can to keep Florida in it early on. What you don't want to do is you don't want to go down seven. You don't want to go down 14 really early and get the fans out of it. If you can avoid that, I really do think the Swamp has the potential with what we've seen of Florida's front seven to be the difference in this game. And and that's where it has to be for Florida, in my opinion.
1: And I think that was a big part of, you know, the Auburn game was that the, I think that the, the crowd was so loud there. I think they had trouble communicating certain things. Bo Nix was a young quarterback himself mm-hmm. there. So I'd, I certainly think that's a factor as well. You know, if you have those, if you make it hard to communicate, you know, for a guy like Bryce Young, who you would think knows the majority of the offense, you know, he's obviously the starting quarterback. But if you make him second guess some things, that's where you know, opportunity arises.
0: I think the other thing that, you know, maybe probably won't get talked about as much in this matchup is special teams. Dan Mullen was frustrated in week two with the way their special teams unit performed. Some of the offensive turnovers that gave USF a short field to work with. Alabama's pretty good on special teams. I mean, they've been really good so far this season. I mentioned the block punt against Mercer. They flipped the field a couple times in both games. Uh, against Miami and Mercer you've got to be aware of that cannot afford to lose the special teams field position battle against Alabama and I think to Florida's credit they've been pretty good so far I'm going to put you on the spot again Uh, I haven't asked you or Bob yet for your score predictions so we don't necessarily need a score but would you pick Florida for the upset in this one where how are you envisioning this game playing out
1: I think it's a closer game than 14 points which is the spread but I think Alabama will win it but I think it'll be closer than 14 and a half
0: I think that's where I'm at too. Uh, you know, this morning after watching Alabama and kind of going through those Miami and Mercer games, I talked myself a little bit into thinking, you know, Bama's beatable, Bama's not indestructible. I did the and same I, thing. <laughs> and I believe that. And I think the primary reason is because I don't know that Bama's as strong in the trenches as they have been in years and past. And it's
1: early part of the season still too. If this was a later part of the season game, right. yeah, you It's a good know. time
0: to catch them. And we knew that right. all offseason. You got, you know, I, I do think Bryce, or Bryce Young's going to be very good. I think defensively, Alabama up front is still really stout. I mean, even without a couple of the linebackers that may be in and out of the lineup, they're good, man. Um, I, I The reason I can't pick Florida to win this game is because two reasons. One, I don't trust Emory Jones with the football right now. And two, I don't trust Dan Mullen to make a full switch to Anthony Richardson. And so I think that the way Florida draws up its game plan, there's going to be enough of Emory Jones being tasked with throwing against the Alabama defense that I think you're going to have a turnover in there or two, that's going to be costly enough to keep Florida from really turning this into a game. Like I wouldn't be surprised if like the sec title game last year, this is a game that comes down to kind of final possessions, you know, and really has fans into it, you know, into the fourth quarter in the swamp. And maybe that's enough to galvanize the program to get recruiting going. Um, Again, we talked earlier in the week about the importance of this game I think it's kind of a no-lose situation in that if you do win or if you're highly, highly competitive where it's clear that you could maybe catch Alabama in a rematch, is going to be in good shape. The key is do not let this game get away from you, and I think Dan Mullen will have a good plan to do that. I think he's seen enough of Emery Jones in the first two weeks that he's not going to try to put Emery into situations where he's going to have to make those decisions, and unfortunately, that probably means pairing back the offense some. Can you beat Alabama with that? I'm not sure it may ultimately rest on how much Anthony Richardson can play and how much Dan Mullen is willing to play him. But Blake, on paper, I don't view this as quite a big mismatch as maybe the spread would indicate. I'll be honest with you.
1: I agree with you there. When I saw 14 and a half, I thought that was a little high, you know, considering that, you know, both teams lost a lot of people. It's early in the season. Um, You know, I I was surprised, you know, Somewhat because again, it's Alabama. You know, I think Vegas obviously loves them, you know, being the number one team. Yeah. They're, they've won a lot of games, you know, so they um, against the spread too. Yeah, they're pretty good there too. But I think it's definitely closer than the spread indicates. At least that's my opinion.
0: You know, it's funny. We were talking to Damian Pierce this week, and you know, people are asking about being a two touchdown dog at home, and, and Damian Pierce was like, wow, it's only 15. Like, hey, most people, it's 20-plus against Alabama. They must like us pretty good. So, hey, I will say the mood at Florida this week is pretty light. I think the guys are very confident. I think last year's game, even though, again, to us, didn't really feel like Florida was quite as competitive in that game as maybe the final 52-46 to score indicated, Florida's players feel like it was close and that when they went back on film, there were a couple things that if they fixed up here and there, they could have been in there. Obviously, two very different teams, but I do like that Florida's loose going into this one. Again, I think you're playing with nothing to lose if you're the Gators. Should be an excellent game on Saturday. Again, recruiting is going to be a huge focus this weekend, so guys, stay tuned to swamp247.com. Blake is going to have a ton of updates, visitor lists for you, the guys that show up, the guys that are raving about it, the guys that maybe aren't as moved, and we'll let you know where Florida's at going forward. But it is a big weekend in the swamp, so we encourage you to stay tuned to swamp247. That'll do it for today's episode of the podcast, guys. We will be back on Sunday breaking down what should be a huge game for the Florida Gators. So don't miss it. We'll be back.